This is Predictions, the podcast about the future. I'm your host, Konstantin, and I'm here with my brother, Ingmar. Hi. Today we want to talk about space debris, if it will block us from accessing space and how we could possibly solve that problem. So Ingmar, space debris, I haven't read too much about this in the past. All I know is that there are a bunch of particles and bigger pieces uh, running around in orbit. Some of them are very small, like millimeters or less in size, but they're still very dangerous because they're very fast. And so this debris comes from satellites that disintegrated or rocket exhaust uh, and other things like this. And some people seem to be worried that it will become so much that it will be impossible to get to space, basically, because you cannot penetrate through this uh, shield of rubbish. Do you think that's actually a real threat, that we will be unable to access space? Yeah, I think the, the threat is not so much the orbit filling up more and more, but uh -huh. um, that we get to a point where the amount of space debris in the orbit is, so to speak, super critical, right? So that you just need mm. to start a chain reaction and you have a cascade of uh, debris destroying um, satellites or, I mean, even active yeah. ones. And then you have a cascade mm. that is super critical and you have some type of... Chain reaction. Yeah, you have a chain reaction like and, and it goes off. And this is actually, there's a name for that, which is Kessler syndrome. So I think th this is really the worry here that we... We keep mm. on filling up the orbit and we don't really realize that we are already at this point. And then some event happens that at, from one day to the other blocks us completely from accessing space. Okay, but do you think, are we close to that? Shouldn't it be possible to calculate that or estimate it how close we are to that kind of point of no return? Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine that is not so easy to simulate or at least you have some unknowns, mm. right? Because it depends on how many particles you produce per collision, uh, what is the the angle at which those particles like are ejected into after collision, mm -hmm. and like what what area is covered by by the debris coming from a single collision. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't I don't think that you could like that you can confidently give a number uh, like a, a point at which we should be concerned. The, but it mm. is clear that there is a tipping point somewhere and mm. if we just keep on putting stuff into orbit and only accelerate it now which is of course i mean it's, mm. it's spacex yeah it's yeah. it's very nice but at the same time we <laughs> really have to think yeah. about this right so this is this is quite interesting yeah. i mean it's a, it's a new field space environmentalism yeah so this is actually something that that came up in the recent years because now yeah we have more and more missions But it's not like it's not about aesthetic reasons, right? It's a, there's a real like practical threat that if there's too much debris, then the amount of shielding that you need to put on new satellites, the amount of evasive maneuvers that you need to run to avoid the bigger debris um, becomes too expensive, or it just pushes up the cost of doing anything in space. Yeah. And and for the small debris, for the very small particles which you cannot track, anything below 10 centimeters, I believe you cannot track. Is that correct? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but okay. Yeah. Okay, then just let's say it's like that. <laughs> um, 
anything below 10 centimeters. So the smaller stuff, uh, this is just a risk that you have to take, a background risk. And to some extent, you can shield yourself, but not completely. Mm -hmm. And so the risk of losing a satellite may just become bigger and bigger and bigger. So even though you may not have a chain reaction yet, it just may become financially less viable to do certain things in space. So it's generally a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. it's not only about like shielding your satellite and stuff, but people have to keep in mind that it's like the lifetime of a satellite is really determined by the amount of maneuvers it has to do, right? If you have a satellite and you mm. have to have to keep avoiding other other debris flying around, um, this really just mm. limits your lifetime because at some point the fuel is empty and mm. then your satellite is useless. So something I was just thinking about, whether you could have this kind of Kessler syndrome chain reaction in a certain orbit, um, but it would maybe not affect other orbits, whether the orbits are really decoupled. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you have any knowledge on that. Otherwise, I would go ahead and speculate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't, but I would speculate with you. Okay, so I think um, if you think about how orbits are tied around the Earth, they always have intersection points. Yes. Right? So, and when space debris um, decays and gets slower, it will go down from high orbits to lower orbits. Yes. So if I have, let's say, a Kessler syndrome effect at a certain orbit, it probably will not affect any satellites that are flying higher than that, but it would affect all satellites that are flying lower. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect it to be that clean because, like, again, if you mm. have very large angles of large stray angles after the collision, mm. it could be that part of your debris gets, like, ejected into higher orbits or not, oh, not, yeah, not sure. actually higher orbits, but um, trajectories with roughly the same energy at higher eccentricities more eccentric orbits like that go very far away in one direction and are very close to earth in the other direction it's exactly and then and through a lot of a lot of space and and if it goes on long enough you have a like significant probability to hit to hit satellites even at higher orbits i would expect but yeah again <laughs> we both don't know so much about it but i i would just say once once it becomes chaotic I think there's a real problem mm. but actually i mean there there have been collisions in the past and there have actually also been intentional yes. um, collisions of um, nations yeah, showing off their military skills by shooting satellites in orbit, which is yeah pretty... Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a pretty bad thing to do, but... I mean, the US started it, and then China had to uh, one-up them and also do it, and then India a little bit later did the same thing. And I guess it's seen as a strategic... Thing, that you have to prove that you're yeah. able to do this yeah i mean it's a little bit like nuclear tests right you have to show it and yeah it's it's not really helping anybody yeah so there have mm. been these kind of collisions and they they are mostly contained now so there are orbits which are just polluted now but of course like depending on on the height mm. um, stuff in orbit is also deorbiting itself right because there's still a little bit of leftover yeah, drag in lower altitudes from mm. from leftovers of the atmosphere, so to speak. Um, so mm. it doesn't stay there forever, but it stays there for a significantly long time. And But this would be an argument that the orbits are at least to some degree decoupled, right? So this Indian satellite, which was shut down with a ground-based rocket, that now it's in a certain orbit, but it's not affecting all yeah. other orbits. Yeah, that, I yet. mean, yeah, yeah, that's definitely a thing. But mm. I think the, the Kessler syndrome really describes a catastrophe where 
you have from one moment to the other stuff exploding in all orbits because you have just too much yeah. stuff there so orbits become coupled right yeah okay i see but hmm. for me i always have this problem almost like a fallacy that i always extrapolate everything into infinity into the future so for me if i hear that okay yeah so all satellites basically that are set going around earth right now they experience some amount of drag so at some point they will deorbit and actually the big stuff which has a bigger mass to surface ratio mm -hmm. will deorbit slower but this big stuff you can also track with telescopes and as i said everything above 10 centimeters not a verified fact but true for this podcast <laughs> and um and small stuff uh, which is is lighter right it's like throwing i don't know a, a piece of paper through the air so it has a much lower mass to surface ratio so this light stuff will deorbit faster because it experiences so the drag has a bigger impact on it because it has less momentum yeah so you kind of have yeah. this have this going in favor for you and from of course the question is are we talking about years months or decades here but a lot of the stuff from this indian collision has already deorbited yes and again this can be a fallacy if you say okay 95 has been deorbited but these five percent that remain are actually super harmful then it doesn't help you much that 95 have deorbited yeah but for me the question is like imagine we experience a Kessler syndrome would we have to wait decades or would we have to wait just one or two years and then we would be able to shoot stuff up again mm. I think that is really uh, like I think that depends a lot on, on the yeah. orbit on the, the altitude um, for example I think that the SpaceX uh, Starlink satellites are designed to deorbit within a year uh, I think don't quote me on that <laughs> But um, so so that's like a manageable time frame. But geostationary orbit, for example, so the orbit that is where the satellites move as fast at, as the Earth rotates mm. around itself, uh, I think that is at around forty thousand kilometers above mm. Earth, and there you you have basically no atmospheric drag and everything like removing the satellites from their circular orbit. There is like forces from the moon pulling on them oh, really? okay. and that kind of stuff i think the the drag argument so to speak only works for the low altitudes and i mean geostationary orbit is also a very important place for us right because this is where all the communication satellites have to be mm, okay but maybe there is more space because it's more outside maybe there's less of an issue yeah but also you only can use one inclination and so okay. i mean it's already quite quite crowded actually okay Right. and i also it doesn't help that the outer space is basically the wild west in terms of regulation i yeah. recently there was a story between some european research satellite and a spacex satellite i believe yeah and they were on a collision course they were and basically at each other. Yeah, yeah there was a game of chicken like you move no you move no you move and at the end i think the europeans moved i'm not sure they had to move and then they complained about it and mm. i think they had different ideas of, about what is a reasonable risk to take so yeah so of to course speak, spacex was a little bit more on the yeah okay that's the okay side and i think isa has like a threshold of a one over ten thousand probability that is too much for them so then they avoid and yeah And they were quite angry at SpaceX, and SpaceX claimed that it was some type of communication mission, 
<laughs> mistake. I don't, I don't believe them. I think what's going on is that they have a lot of satellites in space. They don't really worry that much about losing one of them. And they know that the stakes are higher for a, a European research project. It's like, it's like, you know, you're, I don't know, you're getting into a fight with somebody and you have a, a dirty car and they have a nice car and, and <laughs> they kind of know that you, you so don't mind getting a dent. their car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't care. Well, um, I mean, I, I, we really don't know. I mean, it's mm -hmm. also bad for SpaceX if they pollute their orbit where, mm -hmm. where they want to put their satellites in. I mean, they try to launch a constellation. I don't think they are so fond of the idea of having debris everywhere. I don't know. I mean, it's hard mm. to say. But yeah. this kind of... We're getting very deep into game theory territory. Also, this other question, like, my satellite, if I deorbit it, it costs me extra money. But if I don't deorbit it, it pollutes the orbit. And so it costs other people more money because they need to avoid more stuff. But for me, it's cheaper. Yeah. So you can get a kind of this prisoner's <laughs> dilemma. And for me... Always, when you talk a lot about this kind of game theory games, uh, this means that this is an unregulated space, right? Because in, in daily life, I'm not thinking about, mm, if I take away this from you, then you can do this to me. No, there's like the laws and there's police and there's a regulation. And if, if you get into these kind of arguments about who who has to lose more, who's going to move first, a game of games of chicken, then yeah. usually this is a sign that there is a need to regulate for the greater common good to enable an economy there. And, and that's not happening. There are regulations. I don't know what is actually the, like the, the mm. regulation that was in place for this dispute between ESA and SpaceX. But for mm. example, if you launch a satellite from US soil, you have to comply with some measures or you have to have a plan to deorbit your satellite if it's in low Earth orbit or to put it to a graveyard orbit if it's in mm. geostationary, where, by the way, you can't really deorbit stuff anymore because mm. it just needs way too much energy. So you just put them up into another pretty useless orbit where nobody cares. Um, so, so if you, for example, if you launch a rocket from US soil, you have to deorbit the second stage. Mm. And it, it's not so so clear that this has to happen for example the second stages from the apollo program they're mm. still floating around so the saturn five second stages <laughs> and I, I think they're actually the the biggest uh, pieces of space debris still mm. in orbit because they're pretty massive and <laughs> all the space stations they are larger but they are deorbited and yeah so there, there are regulations but they are national that's the point yeah yeah again you have the problem that i can come in as a nation that doesn't care and I make my own rules. And then you have this kind of, at least you don't have individual companies playing games of chicken, but you have nations playing games of chicken with, with each other. And maybe this was also an issue because SpaceX was an American company and ESA or whatever this satellite was, was a European satellite. And yeah. again, this was not a space debris thing in itself because those were both functional satellites, but it just illustrates this conflict of interest. And yes. So I was thinking about this, like how it's done in other parts of politics, for example, international waters. They're also not owned by any nations and, and the ships just follow certain rules. But um, I guess that's less congested, right? It's less, yes. less tight. Yeah. And also there you still have, usually you have kind of a power claiming that, that sea, right? At least an alliance of nations that have their military boats patrolling those seas 
and uh, so there is actually some amount of um, political oversight even on the open oceans and so I, I don't think that serves very much as a blueprint for space yeah and i mean even in international waters maybe there's like space that is not as regulated but the problem mm. is that really in orbit orbit's already quite filled with satellites so yeah. there's actually not much space and on on the ocean there's there's little probability of colliding with another ship mm. and also people just don't leave their ships there <laughs> once they don't eat them anymore <laughs> well they do but they tend to go down to the ocean right <laughs> yeah. so. maybe so yeah I've, i i think this is a unique situation because we are really in an environment that every nation or many nations kind of have access to and mm. space is really limited mm. and you kind of have to come to terms how to like who who owns the space and how you should treat it in order to keep it clean for people after you right this is really a unique mm. situation i would say how limited is, is it really um i mean if there was no debris i guess we could put like a hundred times a thousand times the number of satellites into orbit that we have right now it's not limited in the sense that um those satellites are already running after each other like ducklings or like there is still space for more satellites it's just there's not enough space to have stuff flying around uncontrolled yeah but it's also the case that the more like the more complex the orbits become and the more mm. different movements you have the more avoiding maneuvers you have to mm. do because the more they intersect and don't yeah so mm. in, this, in a sense um it becomes more crowded with respect to the fuel you have to use mm. for avoiding maneuvers, okay. right? Okay. And yeah. so what usually happens if there is a very contested resource like land is that nations come in and they claim it. Do you think that's something that's going to happen with space that let's say China goes like, okay, geostationary, this is ours. And if anybody comes up here, Well, we've just proved we can shut down things, right? Yeah, I think what, what is happening right now is a kind of Wild West land grabbing mm. from different nations. And sometimes it's very strategically planned and sometimes it just happens because companies are moving into that space, right? So, mm. But they don't put down flags really yet. They don't really say this orbit is only for Chinese companies. No, but I mean, if you have 10, 10 satellites in some lowest orbit, there's no not so much space anymore left for anybody mm -hmm. else. Or I, I, I don't know the number, but uh, right, it's it's right now it's a little bit of a first come first serve mm -hmm. land grab, I think. Yeah, but and I think that will change. That uh, that would be a prediction I'm willing yeah. to make. I would say in the next twenty, thirty years, we will see uh, nation states say, "This is my orbit." Thank you. That could very well be true, and I think that this is also part of the reason why the Space Force was founded mm. in the US. So mm -hmm. it's a very valid strategic decision to yeah. kind of protect space in the orbit because this is like needed for everything you use every day, right? For GPS, for communication, for mm. intelligence satellites, for mapping. It doesn't follow for me that you need a space force, though, for that. You could just say, hey, if you use my orbit, I'm going to drop a nuke on your land. Like, you don't need to have a space force yeah, to enforce yeah, I don't know. your claim in space. But, but I think that, that that's kind of the idea to, I don't know, to just 
have military up there. Yeah. yeah. But do you think we will need to clean up, or do you think it will be fine if we just wait a bit and we are a bit more disciplined? I mean, um, nuclear bomb tests have stopped. Maybe we will be able to stop these kind of shooting down satellites tests. Everybody trusts now that China, India, and the US are able to do that. So I guess Russia will also get their get their <laughs> their dip, and then and then we're done. So I mean, are we really uh, facing a long term problem here that we need to solve? Or maybe we can just wait. Um, it is. This is not me saying that, but scientists from ESA who thought about this a lot, they mm. think that there is no way to sustain the current growth of stuff in mm. orbit without having active ways to remove mm. things again, right? And this is also why why they're investing a lot of resources into researching mm. that right now. What kind of projects are there? I read about this remove debris thing. Is that that's the ESA project, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this was just uh, the remove debris mission was a small satellite that didn't really do something full scale, but it demonstrated some techniques uh, mm. that could be used to remove satellites from orbit, which included, uh, for example, deploying a net that is supposed to catch the satellite, actually, and mm. also a harpoon doing mm. yeah. What a harpoon mm. does, actually, like shooting it towards the satellite so it penetrates the surface mm. and kind of grabs into it. And yeah, it all, they also tested some visual navigation stuff. And what they wanted to do actually was to, they wanted to use a solar sail to then deorbit this cluster mm. of, of the satellite that was caught together with the probe that actually shot the mm. harpoon. And Yeah, with the last part, they weren't so successful, but the other things they managed to do. And mm. yeah, I think this was amongst the first missions trying out these kind of techniques. I, I just, it seems a bit crazy to me to shoot uh, satellites in order to reduce the amount of space debris. <laughs> That's That seems so physical. It's like, okay, we are in the Wild West now, so we use a harpoon, we use a drag net. I, I saw the animations there. It's literally like a fishing net, like yeah. thrown over them. Um, <laughs> like, like these kind of fishing nets with stones around them. That you, So yeah. it, it looks funny. And, and I wonder, if, is there any other way? I saw some animation somewhere that people wanted to use lasers to burn off mass from satellites. And this would then create... Um, gases and these gases would almost work like a rocket engine to like change their path or deorbit them. Is yeah. that something that's being worked on? Uh, I heard that too. I don't think yeah. it has been tested yet, right? I, yeah. At least I, I didn't hear of anything. I don't think it exists yet because it would be a pretty um, strong weapon as well, right? I mean, India would not bother shooting a rocket up to a satellite if they could just point a laser at it. Right, so that thing is actually a military strategic thing as well. So once it exists, we'll change a few things about space and may also help solve this debris problem. But actually recently, there has been this very interesting mission by Northrop Grumman. So the mm. satellite was built by Northrop Grumman. Mm. It's called MEV for Mission Extension Vehicle. And this was mm. actually a satellite that um, flew up to geostationary orbit and docked to Intelsat 9, which is a 20-year-old communication satellite uh, floating over Europe. So this satellite actually was done. So mm. its lifetime was over and it was deorbited 
up into a graveyard orbit because mm -hmm. it's a stationary orbit. You can't actually reach the atmosphere from there. And what they did was launch up this satellite and dock to the Intercept mm -hmm. 9 actually by inserting a kind of hook into its uh, into its rocket engine. So, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool. So it was also almost like a surgery. And cool. So then this mission extension vehicle, this new satellite by Northrop Grumman, kind of became the propulsion for Intelsat 9. Mm -hmm. And this cool. already happened in, in I think, uh, at the end of February or so. And mm -hmm. now they're, they're testing if everything works. And if so, they will move back Intelsat 9 into geostationary orbit and it will become operational again. So this oh, is actually... Cool. Quite cool. So the satellite had still enough energy to run the communications. It just didn't have enough uh, fuel anymore to keep yes. its orbit. Exactly, because the, the problem in geostationary orbit is that yeah, you have those satellites and their their orbit is constantly disturbed by the moon because mm. the gravitational pull of the Earth is mm -hmm. not, not so strong anymore. So the moon becomes kind of yeah competitive or mm. comparable in force. Mm. And... Yeah, they also constantly need to need to counter that, and this is just why there's some mm. point at which they run out of fuel. Mm. Yeah. So this MEV actually uh, will remain uh, attached to Intelsat 9 for quite some time, and if Intelsat 9 happens to fail before the end of the mission, the MEV actually can detach again and attach to another satellite as well. Oh, cool. And I think, I mean, it's quite an interesting mission. And mm. you also have to keep in mind that those satellites, like Intelsat 9, it was built 20 years ago, mm. and nobody had in mind such a mission back then. Smart enough to leave a hole for a hook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's li li literally the engine nozzle, right? So ah, okay. This <laughs> so there's no way to build a rocket engine without a nozzle, and this is what they used. But I'm wondering, so this um, MEV thing, it doesn't really solve the debris problem because I guess Intelsat would also have been able to push themselves to a parking orbit on its remaining uh, fuel. It's more of a thing like, okay, we can extend the lifetime of satellites indirectly. It's like recycling, right? It also reduces the amount of waste. Yeah, but, you know, if a satellite fails in an mm -hmm. unexpected way, so yeah. it's not in its graveyard, but somewhere else, it's yeah. very practical to have those kind of tugboats floating around yeah. that can just like sort the satellites into graveyard orbits and and also if you're at lower altitudes and this is mm. actually an ESA mission that, that is planned to launch in 2025 mm. you can attach the MEV or how it is called at ESA I don't know mm. to the satellite and then deorbit together with the new propulsion right pretty expensive though Right now, it's not. It's still not so expensive to pollute orbital space, but maybe mm. we are at this point in the future where it actually is, and also mm. launch costs probably go down. Mm. Yes, and this mission is called Clear Space One, mm. and it is supposed to deorbit the Vespa upper stage, mm. which is some type of upper stage from a ESA rocket, I think. Mm. I mean, for this to be viable, you need enforcement, right? And you need to have uh, an incentive for companies to actually pay for that. And, and that means that you kind of need to solve this collaboration problem between nations. Yes. Uh, I'm not super confident there, but I, I agree with you. This will become a much, 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 much bigger problem 
in the coming years. Uh, simply for a simple economic reason, it's much cheaper now to put stuff into space. Before, the amount of stuff that you could put into space was basically more limited due to it just being very expensive. So yeah. the players that put stuff in there, they kind of all knew each other, they kind of maybe were acting more responsible, but now it is easier to put things into space, so simply people will put more things into space. I mean, that's the whole point of it, right? And then yeah. there will be more rubbish. It's like when a tourist destination that has been very hard to reach um, suddenly gets an access with a railroad or a highway and suddenly it's trashed all over. Yeah, I guess that's a pretty safe prediction to make that this space debris problem will become more critical. Yeah, I would also predict that uh, yes. some nations will start claiming certain orbits and just enforce a certain discipline in these orbits. Of course, always to their own benefit. And then it, it remains oh, yeah. to be seen yeah. how this um, collaboration works out. But I feel that the times where space was something where everybody could go into and just shoot up a satellite after basically just registering it, the, these times are kind of over. Yeah, I, I would agree. We are kind of at this at this threshold where the Wild West times are coming to an end. Yeah. And yeah, as you said, the, the cost of polluting orbital environment go mm -hmm. up and the cost of launching mm -hmm. go down. So I think this will only become more pronounced in the future. Mm. And for example, what I would love to see is some type of international fund for, I don't know, like cleaning up fee, right? Everybody <laughs> who puts up stuff into orbit yeah, and yeah. has to has to pay some 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 amount that is depending on the size of the payload and also mm. on, on the type of orbit and mm. on the probability to fail and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah into some international fund and this is then used to fund missions like those mission extension vehicles that yeah. then act like tugboats and kind of make sure everything works out i mean you could do what we do with bottles here in europe that you have a deposit on them and yeah. then and then if you collect them you get a <laughs> deposit so you can no but this is basically what this fund would be right this is the, yes. uh, the, the bottle deposit is also a fund that's being paid out when you return the bottle so basically if, if you grab a satellite yeah. bring it down uh, or a certain amount of uh, mass you bring down from space you get a little payout and that fund is being funded by everybody who launches yeah I love that, that that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a very German idea so <laughs> now we have fund in orbit that's quite cool <laughs> yeah yeah but, yeah but I mean it would be more or less the same so you Yeah. pay some amount and you, and you get a refund once mm. you made sure that your stuff is yeah. removed from orbit how you make sure that happens mm. remains up to you maybe you hire somebody to tuck it away or yeah. maybe you just do your work properly <laughs> or you just wait for somebody to come along and tuck it exactly <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Put it next to a trash can and... Do not destroy your satellite. Leave it for somebody. Somebody might appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Th 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 that's an entirely new industry coming up there. I'm very excited. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> no, I think that's it. Actually, just one comment from my side. I'm not super worried about this Kessler syndrome somehow. I feel like we would have probably some kind of warning before. Maybe there would be some smaller kind of chain effects and then it would fizzle out i just i just can't believe that we are that bad with space it's so well surveyed it's so well measured i, I think 
I think yeah. you would hear about this when we are close. But I think there will be an issue with debris. I think it will raise the cost of satellites and um, yeah. I think the idea that there's like this one doomsday and after after that you you can't leave Earth anymore. I don't think mm. that's very likely, but I mean, mm. who knows? Uh, on the other hand, I think it's a very real risk that there are some orbits who are just important to us that we can't access anymore, right? And just imagine we couldn't access geostationary orbit anymore. It would, it would be terrible. Like there, there are certain use cases that only work with satellites in geostationary orbit. Mm. And then we couldn't have satellite TV anymore. I can imagine oh, that. God. Oh my God. <laughs> No, but for, for real, I mean, uh, that could mm. happen. I also think it just may raise the cost, right? It doesn't have to be a all or nothing thing. It could be a soft thing where the cost of evading other satellites and the risk of losing satellites increases so much that certain businesses and beneficial activities that would have been possible before would not be possible anymore. And so you may not even know what you're missing out. 